0: The third win against the top ten, and the Orange had them all the way. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into my heart. I'll for the win. Battle. Bang! Bang! Boom! And the Orange do it again. The cardiac juice comes through
1: on the road one more time. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and
2: Seth Goldberg.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. We are brought to you in part by Duntire. 315-437-7644 is the number if you like to get involved. And just one guest lined up for you today. We'll have Adam Terry on the show. And in case you missed our show yesterday or missed the pregame show Friday on the quad, Adam Terry called this upset. On the quad, he's moments very- before kickoff, he said, Syracuse by 10. I realized they didn't win by 10. Very matter-of-factly, Very matter-of-factly, way. was very confident, and then we'd leave the air, and as he was walking away, he said, I called my shot. If they win and you want me, you know my number. So we're going to call him up today. I know he's out See, on the West Coast, but he's going to join us for a few minutes, and uh, we'll let him gloat a little bit about being right about
2: Friday. I think we have to bring this up with Adam, because the funny thing is, we didn't know his number. <laughs> <laughs> I think he, he was assumed like, we knew his number. he was like, "You know my number, like you know how to get in touch with me and we like we we were trying to yesterday, and we were like we got to ask somebody for this.
1: Yes, that is true. We did not have his (laughs) number, uh, but we were able to track it down. And uh, Enough people here know uh, Adam Terry and know how to get a hold of him, so we were able to get a hold of him. Uh, Couldn't come on yesterday, but we'll get him on uh, today, again, coming up in about a half hour from now. As we continue to talk Hughes football, and other than that, phone lines are opening. We want to hear from you. And, and Seth, uh, yesterday we talked a lot about the game itself and looking back to Friday. Today I want to focus more on... Looking ahead, what it means for this season, how do expectations change, and what does it mean for this program moving forward? And and I was struck, and I think you were struck by this as well, how quickly the narrative turned from you know, fans in this town being excited about knocking off the defending national champs and the number no. two ranked team in the country, and how quickly it turned from excitement to Oh, this isn't good. This means Dino Babers is leaving. I'm sure he's leaving. He's gone. At the end of the season, he's out of here. And and I understand the concern. Like I I, I get it. And you know, this fan base was burned a few years back by Doug Marone who said, Dream job, gonna be in here for the long haul. Started to have success. Got him to a couple of bowl games, and then, you know, he moves on to, to bigger and better things and moves on to the Buffalo Bills. I get the concern, and we see it all the time that, you know, if an SEC school wants someone, they'll throw a bunch of money at them and and they usually get the guy they want. Um, I guess I would say on that topic, you know, like, Pump the brakes a little bit. Like, yeah. allow yourself to be excited. You know, it's like if if you start dating someone and then, you know, you don't enjoy that relationship, you're positive they're going to, you know, find someone better and move on. And you, you don't enjoy, you know, being with that person or investing the time. You just, well, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get hurt, so I'm not going to get fully invested. Is, isn't that kind of what it feels like with this? Yes. I, I know he's just going to walk yeah. away. I, I know Dino Babers is going to break our hearts here. He's going to, you know, start to turn this program around and leave just enjoy the fact that you knocked off the number 2 ranked team in the country that this thing is starting to move in the right direction you can't control whether he he comes or goes. I mean, that's that's not up to you. Let the athletic director and, you know, John Wildhack and his people handle that and Dino Babers and, and let his family handle that part of it and just be glad that we're even having this discussion. A month ago, people were talking about, Firing well, I don't already. know if, you yeah. know, this might not work here. You know, they just lost the Middle Tennessee and, you know, I, I don't know, I'm not buying in. And now a month later, all of a sudden, it becomes, you know, give the guy whatever he wants and, and he needs to stay. <laughs> so I, all I would say is just... Be be happy that, that they beat the number two ranked team in the country. And and let's just all, you know, see what happens. And I know that you're a firm believer that Syracuse has a lot of things in its favor. Sure. And I I don't disagree with you as to why Dino Babers would stay. He had other opportunities. He had other options. He picked Syracuse for a reason. And I think we're starting to see some of those reasons come true.
2: Absolutely. I, I think that the Dome is a reason why he picked Syracuse. I think a pri- being a private institution is a reason you might pick Syracuse. I think having the indoor practice facility, which I know a lot of other places have, but that's a reason to pick Syracuse. You know, I, I think that there are plenty of reasons to pick SU. And I would say this uh, – the Doug Marone situation, I think, is a very different situation than this. You know, Doug was an NFL guy. He was in the NFL before. He was a coach, a coordinator at the NFL level, level wanted to get back to the NFL. And, and, like, I don't think that anybody was surprised that at some point he was going to move back to the NFL. I, I, I don't, you know, like, he's, he wasn't going to leave for another college job like he wasn't going to leave for Tennessee or for Texas A&M or you know for name the school like he wasn't going to he was going to be here or it was going to be for an NFL job and i think that you know when you look at Dino Babers is he going to the NFL no like he, he's not he said he's not you know and i, I don't think that he seems like that kind of a coach that wants to jump to the NFL you know could he theoretically leave for an, for a better job sure but you know, is that really Tennessee? Is that really Texas A and M? You know, it, I, I just I don't think like the grass is always greener. And, and looking at you know the first jobs that come open, you have to worry. I mean, I, I don't think that's the case. And for the caller yesterday who was like, "Oh, Syracuse fans should be feeling how how Bowling Green was feeling," like, no, no, they shouldn't because Syracuse is not Bowling Green because Syracuse has more resources than Bowling Green, because they can pay him more, because they have had they have more going for them, and they can actually make, you know, if they want to, I think, they could probably make a competitive offer up against a Tennessee and a Texas a and
1: I think what it comes down to, Seth, is whether or not Syracuse is a destination job. And you say that the Doug Marone situation was different, and it is different in that he went to the NFL, and Dino Babers has said repeatedly he doesn't want to go to the NFL, but it's the same in that... There was a job out there that trumped the one that Doug Marone had, and is there a job in Dino Babers' mind that trumps the one that he had? And I don't know what his goals are. I'll give you a personal example. But I'd
2: never blame a guy for leaving for the NFL. There are are 32 NFL jobs, and and if you can get one, you get it,
1: and you take it. And I'm not saying I blame him either, but would you blame Dino Babers if, again, I'm just throwing out a hypothetical, like if... Florida came open, and Dino Baber said, "I want you know I want to go coach." I think
2: Florida is different than Tennessee. So. It is right. It, it is. Like, no, you know, that's that's kind that, of my point. Like, is Tennessee that like is Tennessee that job that we should be sitting here and we, getting worked up about?
1: W- right. But you're assuming that that's the only opportunity that's going to come open, whether it's this season or you know a couple years down the road, whatever it may be. People around here are concerned that well, if he has too much success too soon, other big programs are going to want him. And so, if you don't blame Doug Monroe for going to the NFL, which I Again, I think we all get it. It's the NFL. But would you really blame Dino Babers if he went to the, the SEC, for example? And if, if there was a school down there that wanted him and a program and they, they threw a ton of money at him, they give him all the resources he wants, to pay his assistants, do you, do you really blame a guy for going there? And I guess
2: that's my point. At the end of the day, probably not. And, and you know, it's also, and I think that this is something important to, to note here, if Dino Babers has just insane success, right, Let's just say he's here this year, next year, the year after. And he just has four great years, and he and he just crushes it, right? Then your program's in an awesome place, and you can go get a really good head coach to and fill his shoes.
1: It's funny you bring that up. We didn't talk about this before the show, but that was going to be kind of my point, is that I, I understand the way Doug Marone left rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. But he left the program in a lot better shape than the way he found it. Yes. And if you lose Doug Marone to the NFL... And the Scott Shafer thing obviously didn't really work out, but then Dino Babers comes in. If you lose him to a, you know, a top 10 job in college football, isn't this going to be an attractive place for the next coach to come and be like, "Well, look at two of the last three. One ended up with the Bills, the other guy ended up, you know, down in the SEC or whatever it may be." Right. And and doesn't again, doesn't that help your program moving forward? I realize initially it'll be a step back and, and you'll have to get used to a new coach and, and you don't want that. I get that you don't want that, but isn't it better than the alternative? The alternative being, well, he's, he's just he's in mired by mediocrity yeah. and he's four and eight and he's five and seven every year and he's not getting to bowl games and fans around here wouldn't like that either. Fans wouldn't go to the games. Now you're concerned that well he beat Clemson, so that means he's out the door. I just
2: I think it's so stupid to and short sighted To, after one game, say, oh, he's got to go. Which which was the call earlier. And now after one game, oh, he's going to go because he's this hot coaching commodity. Like, let's take a step back. Let's breathe. It was the Monday after the biggest win in 33 years. Like, why is that the first thing that comes into your mind?
1: Because this town's been burned before, and and again, it it happened rather recently with Doug Marone, and there is a perception, and I think all you need to do is step foot in the Carrier Dome on a Saturday and look around and see why the perception is there that this isn't a destination job necessarily, and why would someone stay here? I know for a fact, Seth, that that the attendance and the crowd, not that. Listen, Doug Marone got offered by the NFL; he was going either way. But I, I know for a fact that
2: that, that bothered him. the the, the fan support and it here should. bothered him. So. But if you but say, if Doug stayed two more years and he won eight games the last year he was here and they win eight games again and they win eight games again, you don't think people would have started showing up? Like if Dino Babers gets this thing going, absolutely, and they win, and they win six this year and they win seven next year and they win eight the that's year after, that's not my point. Then people are going
1: that, to be that's, here. That's not my point. That's not my my point. What I'm saying is, you know, is that you say that uh, they jump from you know get rid of this guy to now he must be leaving again those are the fans that 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 have been have been burned by SU football the last fifteen years, right? It's 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 not a diehard fan base. There there is a faction of the fan base that is diehard and that show up every week. That's the twenty five thousand that are always there. It's the it's the other twenty thousand that got lost along the way from two thousand one to where we are Until now. now. Right, and, and that's that's the faction of the fan base that is terrified that that he's going to leave. And and I guess my my point would be.
0: You can and my help. advice
1: to those right. My advice <laughs> to those people would be: yes, you can help. Go to the games and make it that atmosphere that we saw last Friday. Enjoy it that that you actually have a good product on the field because it has been far too long. Yeah, there were a couple good teams under Doug Marone, but you know we keep saying it, you got to go back to 2001 to find the last good team at Syracuse. The last team that was nationally ranked it was 16 years ago. It's been a long time. So enjoy it that this team is actually good, and I think we can say that they're good. If they beat Miami, and I realize that's a tall order, but if you go down and you beat Miami this weekend, you're going to get votes in the top 25.
2: Oh, absolutely. And and look, I was talking about this with Matt Michael after our Yankee show. We we just kind of were talking a little bit, uh, you know, I, I, here in in the building. You know, there's no reason why if Syracuse finishes this year this year strong, and you know maybe they beat Louisville, and the, you know they they win six, they win seven games, they win their bowl game. There's no reason why going into next year they won't receive votes, and, and this year we laughed at the coaches who gave them votes. Next year, like they could receive votes, and you're like, yeah, that's legit. You know, like there, there's no reason why that can't happen if they finish eight and five, right? And and, and right now they're they're kind of like in position to do that given where they sit 4 and 7 4 and 3 you win a couple more games you win a ball game and, and all of a sudden you're building some legitimate momentum heading into next year and you can be getting votes you win a couple games early maybe you sneak into the tw- into the tw- top 25 for the first time in 15 18 years almost you, you know it's it, it, we're we're there right like you're right on the doorstep of that
1: yes and so my point is back to how i started the show I think this community needs to enjoy it for now, and and let the whole Dino Babers thing play out. And these are all hypotheticals. We assume the Tennessee job's going to come open. We think AM might come open. Uh, you know LSU. You know maybe Orgeron bought himself some some equity down there by beating Auburn last week, and now the Tigers are back in the top twenty-five. But you know there are, there are fans down there that that aren't too happy with that Orgeron. So th- there are going to be some high-profile jobs that come open, whether it's this year or in another year or two. And yeah, Dino Babers will probably get a look because he's had success here, and, and you look at his track record. But, you know, as it, Brent Axe had a great article today on Syracuse.com. He asked some college football experts around the country for their opinion on Dino Babers and his stock and, and whatnot. And Reese Davis uh, from ESPN said, don't you don't you want to have a c- that is coveted? Yes. Like, isn't that a good thing? Yes. And, and I feel like there are fans around here that, that look at that as a bad thing. That, oh, beat Clemson. This isn't good. He's going to be gone. He's on his way out the door. Same old Syracuse, so on and so forth. It's not the same old Syracuse. Like let let John Wildhack do his job. This is a, a Syracuse program that is now in the ACC, and let, let's just let's let's see what happens. You know what do they say in the NFL, Seth? That y- you need a quarterback in order to compete. I feel like in college athletics, it's 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 the same kind of thing. The football program is your quarterback, right? Yes. You're searching yes. for a quality football program. Syracuse has found its quarterback, for lack of a better term, in Dino Babers. So let let's see how Syracuse University handles it, and and my guess is they're going to handle it a lot better now under new leadership in John Wildhack in a new conference in the ACC than they did years ago. You know, even when they had Doug Marone, he he started when it was the Big East Conference, and and going back before that. So I know that there's a history of well, Syracuse doesn't pay its coaches, so on and so forth. It's but you a, can. It's a new reality now, right? Yeah. I mean, there's all this money in the ACC, and and if Syracuse truly wants to compete. You know, if you want to be a Super Bowl contender, you need to pay your quarterback. If you want to compete in the ACC, you know you need to pay your head coach. And and Syracuse has found its quote unquote quarterback. I, I think we would all agree on that in Dino Babers. So so let's yeah, no, let's I, let the athletic department do its job and 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 see how it all plays out. I,
2: I absolutely agree, and and that's one of the things that I'm I keep coming back to in in my mind. It's like, oh okay, they don't pay their coaches. Well, what what coaching decision has John Wildtack has to had to make exactly? You know, what what coaching decision has John Wildeck had to make? And, you know, how do we know this? You know, Dino Babers came in and not to say he was an unproven head coach, but he was a four year head coach at Eastern Illinois and at Bowling Green. Okay, if you're not paying him seven million dollars a year, I'm sorry. Like, you know, that's he he probably got like a competitive offer compared to what he was, you know, picking between, right? So I, I would have to imagine it was competitive if he picked Syracuse. Um, you know, and I, I kind of go back to the, the that same kind of thought. Okay, pay them. Like you got ACC money now, right? You'll you'll have money there. You you can you can do this. Uh, you know, you're. I, I, I where else is the money going? Like that. That's kind of my thought. Like, where else is the money going right now? It's going to the dome renovations. It's going to. What? Like you have to pay your coach, and and if. You know, if Tennessee comes calling, if Texas A&M comes calling, if Florida comes calling and offers you three and a half, can Syracuse get to three? You know, like, can, can Syracuse get in the ballpark and make a competitive offer? And if it's close enough, what's to say Dino isn't going to say, you know what, I've been here a couple of years, I've laid down some roots, I like it, you got close enough?
1: This is my opinion on the subject, Seth. Strictly my opinion. If, if Dino Babers leaves... I don't think it's gonna be strictly because of money. That's just my opinion. I don't either. If it's you know, if he has a desire to go south or he's always wanted to coach in a certain program or you know, he he gets offered by, you know, a quote unquote top ten program, whatever that may be, if a job opens. I don't think he's going to leave strictly for the money. Just my opinion.
2: That's kinda of how I feel. I could be wrong. And I think we I think the, I mean the the bite we played yesterday. That yeah, kind you, you of you know what? I have it up here. Okay,
1: yeah. go ahead. I was going to take a break, but why don't we play that going into the break and then we'll continue this this conversation on the other side. So Dino Babers, again, was asked after the game on Friday, I believe Nate Mink from Syracuse.com asked the question about, you know, this is going to raise some concerns around Syracuse. You're going to start to get um, you know interest and attention from other programs, so on and so forth. You know, what would you say to the Syracuse fan base? I'm paraphrasing, but that was essentially what he asked. And, and, and what is it that you like about Syracuse? This was uh, Dino Babers' response to
0: that question you know i came to syracuse for a reason i came to syracuse because i wanted to play in one of the toughest divisions in college football i wanted to play in games that mattered okay and i wanted to play on games on on tv i knew that this place could have an unbelievable home field advantage all i have to do is get everyone else to believe and have faith in what we can do if we all work together there i'm telling you I've, I've been, we were at Louisville and they had 80,000. I played at Tennessee and they got a hundred thousand and those are fantastic, not at Tennessee. We're at the Tennessee Titans just in case their fans get mad The Tennessee Titans, NFL stadium. But I've been in those big venues where they have fantastic home field advantages based off of the numbers, but you put enough people in the loud house and you fill it up. And it is, it, it matches all those advantages you know, I found, I've got a great love for up, upper state New York. I've seen things here that I have never I never would have seen. And I'm serious about this. You're talking about a guy that was born in Honolulu, Hawaii. Are you freaking kidding me? I'm in Syracuse, New York now. But it's beautiful up here. Now, snow's coming. We all know that. And we'll stay inside. But in the summer, in the spring, in the fall, it's unbelievable up here. And, I, you know, I, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I love having the ability to get from one part of town to the other part of town. And everybody's saying, oh, don't go this way. There's traffic. And I'm just laughing. I said, this ain't traffic. (laughs) Are you kidding me? I've seen traffic. So I love this place. I think it's awesome. This is a fantastic home field advantage. And I just hope that every home game is like the one that we just played.
1: So this is what I would say to that, Seth. Give him his home field advantage. Let the university give him his money, and let's see what happens. This talk about he's automatically out the door because he's having success is way, way, way too premature, and he picked Syracuse for a reason, and again, I don't think that's just lip service, I don't think that's Dino Babers blowing smoke, he did, he picked Syracuse for a reason, he thought, I can come to the Cary Dome, I can win here, I know my offense, controlled environment, I, I know what kind of players I'm looking for, I have a system, I know it works, I'm going to bring it here, I'm going to win, and, and and so I would say to the fans,
2: give him the home home field advantage that he's asking for, right. let the university give him his money, and let's see what happens. Right. I say let's not worry about this right now. Let, like let's not have this be the first thing that comes to our mind. And I, I get it. Fine, whatever. The football program has burned you over the last fifteen years. Whatever. Let's not have this be the first thing that comes to mind. in the big after the biggest win in thirty plus years. You know, let let's worry about this when the time comes. When you hear a report that that somebody comes calling, worry about it then. You 3-1-5. know, when you hear the report that they they're not opening up the checkbook, worry about it then. Not now.
1: 437-7644 uh, is the number four ESPN 44. We do need to take our first time out. Full lines are open. Adam Terry set to join us here in about 15 minutes. Keep it here. Orange Nation rolls out right after this on ESPN Radio.
0: This is Orange Nation with Stephen
1: Fonti and Seth Goldberg. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway here on ESPN Radio. Stephen Fonti, Seth Goldberg with you up until 2 o'clock. Phone lines open the rest of the way at 315-437-7644. It is Tuesday, Seth, uh, which means top five Tuesday and in honor of the win over Clemson. I already threw the question out there, but I'll throw it out there again. Top five biggest wins in SU football history. And I realize there are probably more than five that that we could consider. Um, So, again, I don't know. I had a lot of trouble with this. It's it's much like our NFL rankings. Like there are some that just jump off the page at you, know, although with an NFL this, not, week. Yeah, this week I'm not sure that's the case. But in the past it's like, well, I know the Chiefs are good and then it's it's tough beyond that. It, there are certain games that obviously jump off the page and immediately come to mind for you. Um and I, I think there are, you know, probably ten games that you could consider, but we gotta, you know, dwindle it down to five. And it all depends on, you know, what you put significance on when we say biggest wins in program history. Like for instance, I'll give you an example could you make a case for the first game at the carrier dome back in nineteen eighty uh thirty six twenty four win over miami of Ohio big win big crowd fifty thousand plus standing remote yeah. you could make a very uh,
2: good case for that I so think. I think
1: you could you could make case a uh, make uh, a case for that uh Syracuse back in 2007 under Greg Robinson went on the road and beat Louisville uh, as the biggest underdog in Big East Conference history Louisville was favored by 37 points that day. Uh, Syracuse goes and and knocks them off 38-35 the Cards had won 20 straight games at home I suppose you can make a case for that. I'm not going to put a Greg Robinson game in my top five because, again, they didn't really capitalize on it, and things went downhill after that. Big but win that...
2: over Buffalo in 2005. <laughs> yeah, right.
1: Um, but those are a couple of examples. So th- those are outside my top five looking in. And, again, we want to hear from you at 315 437 you... I'm doing my best to buy you some extra time, no, Seth, because I know you're struggling with number 5. So what's, you, uh, what's number 5 for you? you?
2: But Before I get started, could you make a case for the, the, the pinstripe bowl against Kansas State? Marone right in the ship
1: and, and yes you can so if it, I mean that's not on my list oh, okay
2: no that is not on my list
1: you can make a case for whatever game you'd like oh sure I, I will say this um, I'm calling it five biggest wins okay so you can't go to a loss because I know when we talked about the, the biggest performances <laughs> in SU football history you were you were big on the losses no losses today okay you have to leave Sarah, the losses lost out that it.
2: Gator Bowl that was you have to leave that out okay
1: you have to leave that out you have to leave out the Orange Bowl loss to uh, to Florida. Uh you even have to leave out the, the tie. tie with Auburn. Okay. Ties so no count. ties or losses. Okay. It's, it's it's I'm I'm trying to focus us here. It's wins, okay? Top five wins. Of course, wins. of course. So what's number, number five?
2: five? Uh beating Miami on senior day for uh, Donovan McNabb. Uh, wiped the floor with Miami and it got you to the orange bowl. And I, I think that's a big deal. Um, that that was uh not to say the last time the program was was a big deal nationally, but it's it's pretty close. I Pretty mean, it was 98. We yeah.
1: keep going back to 2001. So, yeah, I mean, it was almost 20 years ago That's the last, like,
2: that's the last now. Uh, BCS, now uh, New Year's Six Bowl that they played in. And, and I think that's it. I mean, look, you're, you're playing in the Orange Bowl. I mean, that, that's a big deal.
1: Did not play well in the Orange Bowl, but yes, it was, no, but it you was played, a big deal.
2: And you were Big East champs.
1: So. Yeah. Uh, at number 5 for me, I, I had the uh, the win over Penn State back in 1987 where... Uh, Syracuse just dominated that thing from start to finish uh 48-21 setting the stage for for what would happen from there and that's a little foreshadowing with my list but you know the the West Virginia win doesn't happen the Sugar Bowl appearance doesn't happen if not for you that victory no over Bowl. Penn State so I didn't put the Sugar Bowl okay. on my list I'm just saying that that whole season we keep going back to the magical <laughs> yeah. 87 season it's not magical if you don't win that game uh and that was you know the best team that Syracuse probably faced that regular season was was Penn State Inside the dome, and uh, and Syracuse just blew him out that day, 48 21. So that's number five for me. Number four.
2: I have the 1959 Texas game. Number four. Give you a national title. You were really good. You, you know, you were nationally relevant. You were really good. You had Jim Brown. You had Ernie Davis that year. Uh, you would go on to have Floyd Little. That was kind of the the icing on the cake for, for it. It sure seems looking back. Uh, big win. It gives you your only national title in history. Uh, that that's where I go. You have piqued my interest.
1: How is that not number one? Winning a national title, how is that not number one? I, I guess you can explain yourself when you get to number one. <laughs> I
2: will I will try and explain myself when I get to number What's one. What's
1: the biggest win in SU basketball history?
2: Well, I, I guess it's the national title, right? Okay.
1: I I'm I'm curious where you're going with this. But okay, I had uh I had Syracuse winning on Friday night over Clemson at number four for me.
2: Okay. Fair. Number three. I had Penn State number three. Um, I I think that was the the, the tone setter of that year. I mean, we kind of look back at it and like, yeah, there are moments from the the West Virginia game, but uh, it it feels like the Penn State game is kind of that regular season game everybody points to. So I'll go to Penn State.
1: I've got the, the 87 win over West Virginia at number 3 for me. Final game of the regular season, and again, we always look back on that year and we say it was a magical run, and obviously it was magical, and they wouldn't have been in that position if not for the Penn State win, but they truly would not have made it to the Sugar Bowl if not for that win over West Virginia. And there is a big difference between an 11-0 in regular season and a 10-1 and regular season, Absolutely. and if not for that touchdown, and if not for that two-point conversion – Again, we don't look at that season the same way, and I don't know. I mean, obviously, Coach Mack had turned things around with that year. Um, I don't know if that season would have had the same impact moving forward on Syracuse football. You know, had they lost a game or two that year, so the fact that they went eleven and zero, it you know that. The shockwaves from that season were felt for years to come. For fifteen yep. years, really, eighty-seven. You go through, you know, two thousand and one. That's fifteen seasons, uh, fourteen years, but fifteen seasons. Um, so that win was, you know, again, we felt that win and the importance of that year for fifteen years.
2: Number two, uh, recency biased, I go Clemson. I, I think it's a big deal. Your your program had been terrible for fifteen years. Like it, it it's been really bad. So bad that over a 4-year period you went 500 and you're like, "Wow, look how great we were." Uh that that was huge.
1: The Clemson win will move up my list depending on what happens in the years to come. Because number it's 2 fair. for me is the the 84 win over Nebraska. And if not for that win over Nebraska, maybe 87 doesn't happen. And if 87 doesn't happen, then maybe the next 15 years don't happen. And maybe you don't have you know the Donovan McNabb's and Marvin Harrison's and you know go on down the list of of the uh, you know the NFL players that came through your program: Dwight Freeney, Chandler Jones, so on and so forth. Um, so get back to me in like three years if this Clemson win truly right. does turn things around and it moves up my list. But I had the Clemson win at four. I've got Nebraska, uh, the Nebraska win in '84 at number two which is obvious what my number one uh, game is.
2: Yep, you said it already. Number one. And I have the Nebraska game at number one. Uh, national titles are awesome and it probably should have been higher than four on my list. but I, I think that the Nebraska game set forward that whole near 20 year period going forward um, in-, in motion. And you know the, the title is awesome and it-, it was great, but you know, 20 years later they were bad you know like like it, it 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 feels to me like the the nebraska win and, and for what it created and made the program and you know it felt like it had a longer lasting kind of a thing and that that is because you followed it up 2 years later 3 years later with an undefeated season and a sugar bowl tie and, and you know like th- there were things that followed it up where you know maybe with that that national title there weren't um but for whatever reason it feels like that nebraska win has had a longer Impact and longer-lasting impact on the program. I and respectfully I, and disagree. I, and I say that knowing that there are 44s in the rafter and there are three Ernie Davis statues and a dorm named after him on campus. But it, it seems like that, that win 30-some-odd years ago is the one that has kind of carried the program over the last 30 years.
1: The national title was, what, 59 years ago, and we still talk about it. Um. The goal is it to win titles. Us,
2: it, it allows uh, Syracuse to say that they and Notre Dame have combined for eleven.
1: That that as well. You would not be able to say that had Syracuse not gotten the one.
2: I just I have a hard time
1: not putting the national title number one. It's fair. Uh, I feel like the most important game in SU basketball history, it's a no-brainer. It's the 2003 national title, and it will continue to be until there's another national title. Like, as as fun as it is to... Well,
2: and then even if they get another one, that's probably still the most important because it was first. Right, it
1: could well be. Um, So as nice as... It is to be Duke inside the Dome on last-second shots and so on and so forth. I don't think that will ever be replaced until another one happens, even if it's 60 years from now. I don't think it's going to be 60 years from now. But even if it is, um, we will look back at the at the national title as being the, the number 1 moment. Um, so I, I think it's got to be the 59 team. But, uh, yeah, so I, I, I okay. respectfully uh, disagree. In case you were wondering, we, re- we brought up uh, Robert Adams, his senior year back in 1896. Uh, he I almost
2: put that. I almost put a game on there from 1890.
1: Yeah, he. Uh, oh, 1890. So you're going yeah. back even further. The first, w- win. first
2: win in program first history. Win. That's
1: important. Uh, back in 1890, September 26, 1890, beat the uh, Syracuse Athletic Association 14 nothing. I was going to go back to Rod- Robert Adams' uh, senior year. Uh, beat the Saint John's Military Academy 40 to nothing that year. That was, uh, I believe, that was a big win uh that year for Robert not Adams there. the three-time captain I was not is that an old joke
2: no was, you said i believe so i was saying like, i i heard not there. stories
1: from that uh <laughs> that infamous uh, win over st john's military academy do uh, you
2: like by the way i'm looking at an 1890 in our in our program in our uh, media guide here they played two games on one day they forfeited one game and then they played another game I'm i don't i how, I'm how do you do that. this back in 1890 yeah they did it twice in back-to-back oh, I, weeks. Oh, I see. At
1: the end of November. <laughs> they they yeah. played
2: two games on, on the same... They won two games on the same day. One, That's incredible.
1: That is incredible. I just thought they left off the date, but you you're right. They, they think, were played on the same day. I
2: think I might need to replace my number 5 with November 27th <laughs> of 1890. Hey, the only Donovan, doubleheader victory did, in program. Did history. Did Donovan McNabb ever win two games on Monday? I don't think so. Very well, impressive. All right, we need to
1: take another timeout. Full line's open at 437-7644. We're back after this on ESPN Radio.